Good morning. Happy Monday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Looking forward to a very busy Monday. Uh, first things, uh, IFAST University members, we have a Q&A today at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please join us for that. If you're not signed up for IFAST University, you can go to ifastuniversity.com, get yourself signed up and join us today at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, digging into today's Q&A, uh, this is with Ian. Ian's been thinking about the toe touch a lot. Um, he's been seeing some things, not really sure what he's looking at. One of the things about the toe touch that we wanna recognize is very much like um, our squatting behaviors. Um, we have periods where we have an early propulsive representation, we have a middle propulsive representation, we have a late propulsive representation in each segment of the toe touch. And so we're gonna have compensatory strategies that are going to become apparent in situations where someone cannot access those spaces. There will always be ER, there will always be IR, it's just how they're going to be demonstrated. And if we can understand the compensatory strategies, then we can identify where these limitations are. Don't have to throw people on the table. Don't have to do measurements as such. We can execute in the gym based on needs and based on our intentions. So thank you, Ian, for this question. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line. Don't forget to include your question in the email, please. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Monday, and I'll see you tomorrow. Hi, Bill. Greetings. I was I was looking at your uh, video on on toe touch on iFest, which really blew my mind. Uh, like <laughs> okay. just thinking about it now for a week straight and trying to trying to figure it out. Uh, you get you I'll, some comic books or something to read because that's a long time to be thinking about a toe touch. <laughs> uh, I was I was thinking about when when someone's bending their their knees in a yes. toe touch versus yes, just getting that posterior weight shift yes sir i i cannot visualize what's happening but i i can tell what i'm thinking but i think when they when they um bend their knees they they cannot i know they cannot uh keep the distal hamstring concentric to to superimpose IR on top of ER, would that would that be it? And with with the posterior shift, I I see that the same. Like they cannot go into IR representation of their femurs and feet, so they would go back to to get into late representation, which will be more negative tibia angle and late representation of the foot. So you got you to be, be careful because, again, the, the foot representation is going to help you. You're on the right. You're absolutely on the right track. OK, so so the knee bend is going to be an IR substitution. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. So think about. Um, to, to move downward. OK, so they're 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 taking their axial skeleton, they're bending forward to move downward. They have to have a space to move into. Yeah. Okay. What if there's no space? Have you ever seen somebody try to do a toe touch and they get to their hands just below their knees and then they stop? Yeah. Why do they stop? 
because they are already into IR, like they're. So like literally all the space just closed up around them and there's no place to go. They have no other, they have no other strategies available to them. So they have to stop. So, so that's how, like, if you're testing a shoulder joint and, and you go to the end of the range of motion, the reason the joint stops moving is because there is no more space to move into. Okay. Like yeah. literally you've just compressed all the space around that joint and the joint stops. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. But if I can create a strategy that creates a space, so what strategies create spaces, ERs or IRs? ERs. Boom. Okay. So I shift my pelvis way back behind my heels. I am pushing space out of the way to, get, to make room for me, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's my ER. Okay. What representation of the pelvis would I expect to see? Mutation with if there is no. Oh, ho, ho. hang on. Am I making space? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's counter mutation, but I'm just. Yeah. Okay. So, so what happens to the foot? What happens to the foot at the oh, ground? Okay. Yes. There you go. There you yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. So I just made a space, right? And now okay. I can drop down. So, so I move all the space back because if I went straight down, I wouldn't be able to go. So I push space backwards and now I can drop down right into what would be, what would be a middle representation. Now I have to so, hold the ER representation to get there, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. I, then I take my compressed sacrum and I bend it forward. All right. See so I basically, I basically do this so I can drop my weight in the middle of my... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Base of support. And they, okay. they kind of look like a jackknife. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? When they're, yeah. when they're touching their toes. Yeah. 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 And, exactly. and those people who usually just come be below their knees and stop. If I, if I think about it now, those are the people that have like zero posterior weight shift. I usually see that and it makes sense now. Well, okay, so, so think about it. If I, can't, if I can't create the delay strategy, Andrew Green, in, in the back of the pelvis as I'm bending forward, okay? If I can't create the delay, the bottom of a toe touch is early. Yeah, because- So I need a delay strategy at the bottom for me to touch my toes, okay? If yeah. I can't create a delay strategy of any kind, Okay, that means I can't, I can't create the posterior expansion and I try to bend forward. What would happen if I try to go forward? I would fall on. I would break my I nose, right? Yeah. I would bend forward and I would break my nose. I'd be on my face, right? Yeah. That's yeah. why people stop. Okay. 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 Yeah. Does that make sense? And, and you, you wouldn't need like full posterior lower expansion for a toe touch right you would just the the yeah the early part of so of me how do those people how do those people deep squat that should never be able to deep squat how do those people that 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 touch their toes can touch their toes they 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 create an orientation or or a, a a bony representation of er proximally and that creates the space for them to move into okay i see Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And you'll, you'll get people that um, some people can't touch their toes, but they can deep squat. 
You ever seen yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. I just yeah, have that, one. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, Alec, is that you? Can't touch your toes <laughs> before you can deep squat? Yeah. Okay. So so chances are you're you're gonna need some uh, middle ground there, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. Good morning, happy Tuesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, uh, quick apology. Yesterday's video was with Alec, not Ivan. Today's video is gonna be with Ivan, so let's dig into today's Q&A. Um, Ivan had a question about how to cue the abdominal muscles uh, during breathing activities. And a lot of times I think this is, this is overdone in many cases, drawing a lot of attention to certain muscle groups can actually create interference when we're trying to recapture relative motion. So a lot of this has to do with how you're setting up the exercise. And in many cases, if you can execute that aspect of things effectively, the cues sort of take care of themselves versus trying to over-recruit something that actually becomes interference. Um, at the end of this video, so I added a second segment to this video, um, is, a, is a, a discussion with Alex and there's a couple of cues to help you identify some, some breathing elements in regards to position, um, literally based on, on what the breathing actually sounds like. So you can actually determine certain head and neck positions based on pitch of the, of the breathing as well. So that's kind of a, a cool little thing to sort of pay attention to. Um, so again, thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Alex, for your questions. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it. Put your question in the email, and we will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow. Ivan. Hello, Bill. Greetings. How are you? Outstanding. Amazing as always. Nice. Um, so first, I just have a quick question, and then, uh, uh, and then uh, slightly. Question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wondered how you cue breathing um, in terms of: Do you ever tell them to exhale and to keep slight tension in the obliques while inhaling? To to say say it one more time. So exhale and keep slight tension in the side abs with the next inhale? Or do you not uh, uh, cue muscles at all? Just like gentle um, exhale and inhale. Most, most people that come in to see me are, are not educated in, in such things. And so if I, if, I have, if I have to teach them about a muscle, I might have to do that for like an, um, you know, movement vocabulary kind of a thing, as I always say, um, but rarely. <clears throat> If you can acquire the position and you give the right cues, you shouldn't have to do that at all. So for instance, um, <clears throat> if you get the foot position correct in an activity, let's just say you're on, you're on your back and you're in hook line. If you get the foot position correct and you teach them how to weight the pelvis, everything that you want to be active at the right time and, and under the right circumstance will be active. Okay. So the, the, the thing that you don't want to do is draw a lot of attention to any isolated area because by doing so, they tend to overdo that, right? So if you say, 
exhale and feel your abdominals. Okay. They always go, eh, like they, they want to, they want to do well for you. And so then they squeeze harder and then you get this over recruitment of stuff. And then you see the stern get pulled down or their head goes forward. You, you, you get all this exaggerated stuff. So, um, you might be able to do that with somebody that, that comes in with, a, you know, some measure of, of understanding of, of muscles and such, but I would encourage you to avoid that whenever possible, just because what you're trying to do, let's go back to Andrew's question. We're trying to produce a strategy that is, that is throughout the system versus trying to think of something as, as being isolated. Right. So again, it's it, from an attention standpoint, sometimes it, it may work. Right. Most of the time it won't. Um, Cause you'll just, like I said, you don't want to draw too much attention to one, one space. Cool. Because yeah. I stopped doing that some time ago and I noticed that people just get a better inhale. Uh, so, 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 this become, that's a, so that's a great, that's a great point. That's a great point because what, what people end up doing then is they think that, okay, I, I'm supposed to keep this muscle active and then they try to breathe in against it. And then they, they, they shorten their inhalation and then we don't get the expansion that we need to recapture the relative motions, right? So they create their own interference based on our cues. So that's why we have to be really, really careful. That's why the setup becomes much more important as far as, as the, the contact. Because if, like I said, if you get that correct, a lot of stuff just falls into place and you don't have to coach it. Awesome, cool. Yeah. Um, so I, might, so the next I might spend 10 minutes, I might spend 10 minutes setting up an exercise. Because I, I want to get it right. Yeah. And I don't want to have to tell them to do things. Cues, listen to the airflow coming in and out. You can tell their head and neck position by the pitch of the airflow. Low pitch, chin is down. High pitch, chin is up. Okay. When you hear them, they breathe in and they try to breathe out and they go like that. And as they exhale, guess what? Compressive strategy, oh, yeah. exhalation strategy all yeah. day, every day, right? Little things like this are just, and, and they're, they're gold because they, they help you with your cueing and they let you know what this person is trying to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when people don't know you're paying attention, it's like the best time to, to uh, observe, right? Cool. Very cool. Thank you. All right. Good morning, happy Wednesday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, today's Wednesday. That means that tomorrow's Thursday. That means 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, coffee and coaches conference call as usual, every Thursday, Q&A, 6 a.m., bring some coffee, bring a question, great people, outstanding time. Really enjoy these. We're gonna keep doing them as long as we can. Um, and please join us for that. Okay, digging into today's Q and A. This is a this is a short one from Jordan, but it's a really really good good question and a good representation of how we talk about the superimposition of external rotation and internal rotation, both being present at all times, occasionally becoming superposed into a single entity. Um, but but it's demonstrated very very well when we talk about gym strength and so we'll even get a little bit of a definition of what strong enough may be um, in this little discussion but but it, it will help you understand how we, we use external rotation for space for movement and then internal rotation 
for force production. So Jordan, outstanding question, and, and thank you for that. Um, if you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Please include your question in the email and we'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. I will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Coffee and Coaches Conference call. Everybody have an outstanding Wednesday. See you tomorrow. Really quickly, when you're doing an exercise, if you are biasing external rotation, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get relative motion. Is that an oversimplification? That is an oversimplification. Okay. Um, and it really does depend on how you, joint position and then the load because I was giving a friend like a, um, a uh, left fo uh, foot in front split squat with the uh, um, its lateral load on the left hand. So I was like, oh, I'm, my idea was <clears throat> gaining some sort of relative motion. But like mm -hmm. I saw him doing like all this, like we, he didn't look, it didn't look great. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. So you really need to understand and play around. It takes time to know your patient and clientele to figure out like the right load. If there is load necessarily to create yep. that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Um, do you lift weights? Not as much as I probably should, but okay. yeah. All right. What, what is your, have you back squatted before? Yeah. What's the heaviest weight you've ever back squatted? Oh gosh. Ballpark. Just, just give me a number. Doesn't matter. 350. Okay. I'm going to put 405 on the bar. You've never squatted 405 ever, correct? Correct. Okay. How deep do you think you're going to squat? If I don't fall to the ground, uh, not very. You're not going to go very far, are you? Yeah. Why? And don't say I'm because I'm not strong enough. Because I know if I go any farther, I'm not going to. No, that's not true. See, that's not true. That's not true. What happens? What happens if I give you a load that is that is beyond your ability to lower yourself and raise yourself? Like, why can't you go up and down? What does up and down require that you're capable of doing? Slowing down. Say it. Say it, Ian. Ian. Ian's got it. Say it. Say it. Expansion. You need expansion. So, so to move through space, you have to have an ER strategy, which is expansion. Okay. If I exceed your maximum effort in an exercise, the reason that you can't move is because you can't expand under that load. Okay. Right? That's what being strong enough means, right? Is that I can expand, I can move through space, and then I can compress myself back into the shape that gets me back up into the to the start position. You understand? Yeah. yeah. I always imagine it being one or the other, but like you said, I guess they always exist. <laughs> They're always there. But see, but see what happens though, is like when you get a load that exceeds your capabilities in that movement is, is like it, it becomes all IR and, and the ER and IR become superimposed. They become one. That's why there's no movement at max P is because everything goes like that. I put a 400 pound barbell in your back. You can only squat 350. You ain't going anywhere, but it's not because you're not strong enough per se. Okay. It's because you just can't maintain the expansion. You're recruiting everything to hold that position. Right. And if I try to deviate, cause you can ER under that load 
It's just going to be really, really fast and you're going to get buried at the bottom, right? Because you can expand under that load. What you can't do is, is expand and IR at the same time. You can't do both at the same time. It's going to be an either or. It's going to be like all ER, boom, right? Or all IR, I'm not moving. Right. Oh, okay. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just like a, you're spotting a dude on a bench press, right? And then it's on his chest. <laughs> Done. It's all the same, right? Right? He ER'd to get the bar down to his chest, right? But now he can't, he can't compress enough. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. Manuel, finally, what's going on, dude? It's like you're way behind today. Well, I was uh, just, uh, I, I got lost in all the universe questions and stuff <laughs> like that. So I, when I just have a question about overhead pressing. So. Sweet, bring me back. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I like I have the caveman questions, you know. No, <laughs> like, that's, how, how oh, do you, how do you lift something? You know what? Hey, <laughs> hey here, here you go though. Uh, same question that we've been talking about the whole time. You know, it's like yeah. uh, we just we're just putting it in context. That's all. Go ahead. It's, it's true. So um, I actually was looking uh, for an applied example of what we talked about earlier with uh, posterior and anterior compression. So I was thinking about the context of an overhead press. So I was thinking with posterior compression, I was imagining getting pushed behind. I would expect to see compensations like maybe a wider grip, uh, yep. excessive arching through the, the DR area or even the neck. Um, yep. Maybe even such an orientation where you can't even get overhead so the bars in front of you. I can dig it. I think that's another one. Whereas yeah. things like anterior compression would be like excessive forward head, probably an inability to even extend the arm overhead. Correct. Uh, probably a pronated hand if you don't have the, the IR to right. the shoulder. Exactly. So so yeah. So so you, you think about like like um, again, you're always gonna have to get ER ERs and IRs, mm -hmm. right? And then to whatever degree you have the, the compressive strategy, you will see a magnification of that. So for mm -hmm. every, every posterior compression orientation away, for every anterior compression orientation forward, right? And down. Mm -hmm. So so again, you can you can literally just go wah, 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 yeah. wah, wah, and then we're back to there you go, Zach. Uh would would shrugging <laughs> <laughs> would would shrugging be a uh, uh, an uh, what would, what would shrugging be? Because I, some people they'll go overhead and then they'll excessively yes. try to do this. I just and that. I feel where did I just see that? I just saw it recently too. It was really yeah. bad. Oh, I feel it. I, I saw somebody was hanging from a bar. That's what it was. Right. Yeah, I see that too. So yeah. to me, to me, that seems like you're kind of compressing from both sides. I think about the toothpaste example. And so it is. Going this it is. way. Okay. So so if I compress, so think about this for a sec. If I compress you, Max, let's just say that I just crush you, right? Like it's Terminator, it's the end of Terminator. She pushes the mm -hmm. button and the press comes down, except I'm going sideways, right? And I'm squeezing you front to back. You got no space, right? Mm -hmm. Where's the ER? Up. 
Okay, but like if we're talking about like the joint position, we're talking about shoulders here, right? Because you were talking yeah. about that. Okay, yeah. so where's the ER? Um, I mean, it's just to up the and sides. Out. It's like up yeah. and out. It's like up and out, right? So, mm -hmm. so literally sockets up, right? So literally, so here's what has to happen. So, so the resting position of the glenoid is, is what, down forward and out. So it's kind of like that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if I shrug my shoulders, I'm going to do that. I'm going to turn them out even more, elevate them and tip, tip them up, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I find my ER. Um, and then my neck has to allow the thorax to anteriorly orient. And so that's why this is, this becomes like, this is when you see the, the shoulders and the neck, it's like, we talk about the neck a lot. We don't talk about the glenoid too much, but literally you're, you're twisting the glenoid out up. And so it faces upward to get the ER representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But then, but still that, that would just be kind of both anterior and posterior compression. Now, not one or the other. I mean, no. I know they both exist, but I know it's a bias. But the higher, the higher the shoulder girdle, the higher the shoulder girdle, the more you've got anterior posterior compression. Okay. Right. And like so, you know, concepts like scapular retraction and things like that. Yeah, I'm done with protraction, that. Protraction, retraction are the extreme <laughs> of the the upper thorax compressor strategies, right? Because the scap mm. is just gonna like you're squeezing everything together, and the scap has to go up. Like a again, it's just following the, it's just following the shape at that point. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That was my hang up was, was cause I was starting to see, you know, where one, you know, you would see a bias towards anterior compression or posterior, yeah. but then I got lost when I thought about shrugging. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fairly simple, but not, not, not well, part of the universe. I don't but. know if it's it, like the, rep, <laughs> the, the, the rule is simple. The representations become difficult sometimes because mm. you can see part of it like it's really easy to see the neck representation when somebody's elevating their scapulae it's very difficult to to conceptualize the fact that the glenoid is changing its orientation mm. you know a lot of people wouldn't get that part right okay okay yeah that's cool yeah yeah thank you yeah the the, the underlying shape of the thorax so so you know how the the upper thorax is kind of conical right yeah Okay, so think about it. So as I squeeze front to back, that's going to create the elevation. That's going to create the neck strategy. But it's also doing this at the same time. So it's squeezing and it's going like that, which turns the glenoid upward. So yeah. when you see somebody, like you ever see like the freeze frame of the second pull? Mm -hmm. Why do the elbows bend? Uh, well, they were pulling on the bar. The bar energy is transferring, but... Now I'm thinking it's more just that compressive strategy. Yeah. So if I if I if I tilt if I tilt my glenoid upward, right, the humerus mm -hmm. has to has to turn with it, right? And and then the bar's pulling down and I'm pulling up. I gotta have a little bit of bend in the elbow, right? Because if if my arm was straight, it would pull my scapula down, no second pull. Mm -hmm. You see it? Yeah. And but and if you have a too much uh, posterior compression, you won't even get that elbow up. That elbow will be pointing behind. Uh, exactly right. So now, you know, so literally, so, so this, with this frame of reference, if you can see these things in real time or you capture them on video or whatever, you know what strategy they're using. You know what they're lacking at that point in time in the movement. 
And mm -hmm. so now you say, okay, do we need a special exercise to address this? Is this just a technical glitch? Do I have a compressive strategy that's creating the interference? It's like, like literally, it's like, that's why it's so important to understand the limitations that are presented in the table test, but you don't have to do the table test, mm -hmm. right? You just have to understand what strategies limit the motion and then what motions do I need at that point in time in the specific context? Right. right. So, mm -hmm. so your question is the same question that Zach had, just in a different context. Right. Cool. So, yeah, no, it's very cool. Awesome. Good morning. Happy Friday. I have NeuroComfy in hand, and it is perfect. All right. A solid Friday coming up for those of you on the two-week sprint. This is your recovery weekend, time to reflect, look at your schedule, make sure you're on point with all of your activities. Um, you're actually working the schedule that you wanna work so you can manage energy. Digging into today's Q&A, it's from yesterday's Coffee and Coaches Conference call. Every once in a while we go way deep on a topic and this was one of those cases. So there's gonna be about six of you people out there that are gonna really enjoy this and the rest of you are gonna go like, what's going on? Um, Alec asked a question that led us to the second law of thermodynamics. So this is in regard to how the model is representing entropy. Um, for those of you, again, that uh, like to spend some time um, in, in the chemistry lab and understand the law of thermodynamics, we were talking about inputs and outputs. And so this is um, talking about reinforcing loops, balancing loops, and things like, like those concepts as to how we interact with the universe. So we're constantly taking in inputs and we have outputs, and then how are those uh, balanced and uh, uh, utilized? So Alec, outstanding question. This is gonna be a deep one for, for many of you. Hang in there. Um, it is kind of interesting. So I appreciate you, Alec, asking such a cool question. Um, if you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it. We will arrange that at our mutual convenience. Remember to include your question in the email. Everybody have an outstanding Friday. Podcast will be up on Sunday. I will see you next week. No problem. Um, so I have many questions. I recently heard that you think it's a good idea to write them down. So now I'm collecting them. I think I'm qualified to send you an email. But um, <laughs> so the one I chose from my, my okay. new bunch of questions is, um, so I'm wondering what's the role of the concept of entropy in your model? Um, cause like I've, I've been exposed to kind of systematic, uh, um, I guess visualization more from, uh -huh. uh, like the psychology, uh, yeah. world. Yeah. So, so now I'm kind of thinking like, what's the role of, let's say tidal breeding or like rolling or moving with limited tension? Is it just a way to kind of take, um, like warming up an engine, you know, like in a car, there's something that is meant to bring down the level of heat. Is it, is it what, just what we're doing? Okay. Okay. So I drew this a long time ago. So okay. This, that, this is actually entropy. Okay. Yeah. You see, okay. So, so there's either an increase. So here, here's the thing about humans. Okay. And this yeah. is the, this is a misunderstanding. So humans appear to defy entropy. Oh, I know they don't. I know. I know. Right. That. 
because you have to look at the universe as the entire system and then there's the there's the give and the take right i mean but, anytime i sweat anytime i i i breathe anytime i i produce eat i know i'm losing it it's just more like uh like more precisely regarding expansion and right. and compression and tension and then all like the 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 sub layers of that that are like connectivity right. okay. connective tissue blah blah so 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 we we have to we we have to look at this we have to look at this as if the human defies entropy okay right? cool okay so we're operating from like a false uh premise to figure out something okay right okay so let me let me throw my picture up here again so you see the circles yep okay so each one of those circles represents either a balancing loop which would be a restorative uh capability or a reinforcing loop, which is like an output, right? Okay, so if inputs and outputs are equivalent, then my entropy is zero, theoretically. Uh, that's not what, how I, I've been taught that. Okay, cool, interesting. Go on, like go, on said, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. You have False to premise. start from, okay, we have to have, a, we have, to have a, a, a frame of reference to make a comparison, okay? All right. There's two ways. There's two ways that I can I can increase entropy. Okay. One would be performance related, like I'm trying to produce a very specific outcome, which would reduce. So so it would create a bias of reinforcing to balancing loops. There has to be a reduction in adaptability, right, to produce a performance. Okay, yeah. I can't have a balance of everything. So again, I have inputs and I have outputs. Okay, you see over here? So, so this, is, this is where I enter the system. Okay, I enter the system here. There's my baseline right there. And so then yeah. this, is, so this is like uh, sleep, meditation, stored energy, repair and adapt, emotional loading and stress, and then nutrition is, is the biggie one in the middle there, right? Yeah. So some of them are balancing and some of them are reinforcing, okay? At yep. the other end, so up here, so this is performance. So, so this is, um, is, is that the entropy is greater than zero, okay? And that produces a performance, okay? So it's a narrowing of, of the, the possible outputs to allow something to occur that we like, okay? But it's still a narrowing of what is available Okay. So in the grand scheme of things, that trajectory would be uh, a, a favorable training response in, let's say, an athletic sense of like you yeah. got a better javelin thrower. You yes. now suck at displaying IR on the table, but you throw the javelin better. Thousand percent. You got it. Understand. Okay. Understand. Right. understand. Now, at the other end, so down here, okay, so this is... Um, Entropy, this is the change in entropy, which is also greater than zero, but it is a loss of adaptability that, that keeps me healthy. Okay. Okay. And, and like I said, you, you, the, the assumption here is, is again, because if you look at, if you look at humans, um, so if you sleep and you eat, you restore what you gave up. That's 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 why we appear to defy entropy. We don't maintenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Again, if you look at the entire universe, we follow the rules of entropy. But but in a closed system like this, mm -hmm. 
we have to look at ourselves as a as a closed system, not an open system. Yeah. And and like I said, we appear to defy this. And so this is why this is why you have the 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 difference, like what entropy greater than zero, negative performance or negatively. Oh, that's uh, I, I'm I lost a little bit there. Which part did you not get? Um, okay. just there was a sound. I don't know. Okay, a human inputs equal outputs. Entropy zero. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's just the appearance of zero. It's I'm aware of that. Yeah, okay. yeah. This is true on a micro level. It's not like true said, if we involve the fact I'm, that there's resources. I'm literally right here us. inside this box, and I control everything. So my inputs yeah. equal my outputs. Okay. When there is an when there is a, a imbalance between the reinforcing and the and the balancing loops, so my reinforcing loops become predominant. That's going to be a reduction of adaptability of the system, but it could be favorable for certain things and unfavorable for other things. Yes, that means that, that means the the homeostasis. This is the displacement of the homeostasis points, and then we can, we get to make a judgment call if that point is moving towards a good or a bad direction where right. let's say my response to training is I blew up my Achilles it's a change in constraint I would say it's not that good but if I <laughs> ended up having stiffer uh, connective tissue in my knee then for making a cut or a change of direction in yeah, a soccer game a it would be class, great so so like now I'm a world-class high jumper okay right yeah, yeah, yeah. or I'm in the hospital yeah yeah, okay. both represent both represent an increase in entropy relative to the zero point. And so, so like, what is your precise definition of entropy? Because like, right and right now, I'm understanding what you're saying, but my well, entropy, like my 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 the my memorized definition law, is right? that it's is the inefficiency is the inefficient of the system, right? Is the fact that there's like a like there right. is like input output are never corresponding. There's always like like the right. Okay, okay, okay. Right. Okay, we're talking about the same thing. Cool. We're, we're, the disorder is growing, right? But because our, our lens is only here, it doesn't appear to be that case. All right, all right. Wonderful. But as we, as we move towards a, a greater level of disorder, it could be favorable in certain environments, right? Yes. You have to, you have to define the environment, and then you have to all compare right. it relative to that. And now, if we take this discount kind of lens in yep. conceptual lens, and if we drive it even, we're going even narrower than just a human being, and we're going at movement option, um, how does entropy interact with compression and, and expansion? Because in my mind, like entropy played the role of, hey, of increasing the entropy of compressive force or intention, which would reduce how compressed we are. Yeah. And then that will restore adaptability. So like, and in that sense, like I, like people were literally like breeding out compressive input, force. Input, yeah, output. yeah, yeah, input, All right, cool. It's the same, it's the okay. same thing. So, I, so if, if I have sufficient excursion of, of, of expansion to compression, yeah. I always have a gradient. I always have a gradient, right? That will keep me within a range. Say that again. I, I, I need if to- If I have like... sufficient compression and expansion, yeah. 
I will always have a gradient that will keep me within a certain range. So you said homeostasis. So let's use that as a representation. Okay. Um, if we were looking at blood pressure, yeah. What would be what would be um, average, right? Average, not normal, but average blood pressure. Uh, it's like a 120, 80 on 120 or something. 120 like over that. 80 would be like yeah. the average. That's what they, that's the, that's what they compare it to. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, but, but if I increase the compressive strategy of the circulatory system, what will happen? Great. Now, let me ask you this. If I was, if I was running 400 meters flat out, would it behoove me to have high blood pressure? Indeed. Okay, what if it was low blood pressure? I would suck, I would be terrible. Okay, 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 yeah, in that sense, yeah, of course. Right, and so, so again, it's like we have to look at it in context. If I was at rest, 120 over 80, awesome. If I'm running 400 meters, I better be able to, to elevate, right? But that's also a restriction in my adaptability. Yes, indeed. And so every system behaves the same way. Okay. And in the context of reacquiring movement option, not not just from like um in a in like a let's say non um timeline driven uh, reflection, okay. not thinking of a specific task that happens in time. Just yep. so. It, we could just think of it as like using the gradient of, of breeding as a way to kind of reintroduce adaptability within some parts of, of us, like literally physical parts. So then this is why like resets as a, I don't know if that's how you call them. I know that's how Mike Robertson called them, but like it's never it's, heard of him. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but um this is why it's like positional breeding. We just put you in a position and then we reintroduce adaptability within that position, which is a way to bias us towards certain structure. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was fun. Yeah. I haven't talked about entropy in uh, two weeks. Yeah, true story. Um, no, it's a, it's a really good, it's a, it's a, well, but see, this is great. This is great because a lot of people don't think this way, but, but that, but that's, again, one of, one of the goals of, of my model is to remain as coherent as possible with, with universal principles. We have, we are part of the universe. Therefore we are affected by it. We are yeah. affected by entropy. And so we have, so to we can never be empty. Right. <laughs>